0: Welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren.
1: And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking.
0: We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith.
1: We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, onto the episode. <music>
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast today we have your favorite heretics aka Rachel and Derek they are a wife and husband duo creating a safe space for deconstruction and recovery from church trauma they're passionate about advocating for spiritual agency and freedom they are deconstructed evangelicals Derek has a biblical studies background and Rachel is pursuing a master's in religious studies Your favorite heretics was born out of a desire to bring clear, easy to understand deconstruction perspectives to those who are interested to learn about it. And they desire to give words to experiences and help sort through church trauma. Sounds a little bit like another couple that, you know, (laughs) Um, so Rachel, Derek, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for
2: having us. We're really excited.
0: So, okay couples talking about deconstruction and all that stuff I'm, I'm i'm curious to see what the listeners think about having this dual thing go on if they're yeah. they're like oh more personalities the better or if they're like all oh, right <laughs> calm it down this is overwhelming <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. hopefully it's more the better <laughs> oh yeah for sure i hope so the more the merrier yeah but you guys started your uh your account your instagram account at least in the summer of last year And so I I went all the way to the bottom of your Instagram and I was like, okay, (laughs) July, I think it was. Um, And yeah, it's been a whirlwind for you guys ever since it's you've, you've really taken off on Instagram, you've gotten gained a lot of following and a lot of um, community, which is just amazing. You know, I love Mm -hmm. seeing how you interact. Um, with your followers and, and the comments. And um, I, I love just you posting your tweets and all that. It's Thank just <laughs> it's very helpful and informative and makes people feel um, like they're not so alone. But hey, I want to know what happened before the Instagram started. Yeah. When did like this deconstruction phase in your lives begin? Were you guys married? Were you not? Let's, let's hear the deets.
2: Uh, so I'll I'll start. Um, yeah, so we started it over the summer and it, you know, we made it a very small thing. We didn't think it would get the traction that it did. But, you know, we <laughs> very quickly learned that there was a need for uh, various perspectives. And so we were very excited to to fill that role, even though we didn't set out to do that, I think you know, some, some accounts can set out to be an influencing kind of thing. And for us, it was just like our friends and family. Cause you know, as you were saying, like before we got a lot of flack, um, in our deconstruction and alternative perspectives. And so we were trying to consolidate it to like one space that everybody could just like Go to to kind of like see what was going on in our lives, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's um, like instead
3: of answering everyone's Facebook messages yeah, that you get you from random, <laughs> it's like okay, just refer to this post. You yeah, know.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is where we are. Just go here. You guys um, need some
3: sort so, of like library
1: Dewey Decimal <laughs> system going on for your Instagram.
2: <laughs> yeah. See, this question was referenced in post three. You need yeah. to go. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. It is helpful. It's helpful for you. You don't do the emotional <laughs> labor over Article and over. Four. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, it was a really, really long road for us, um, so I started deconstructing, I would say, um, when we were engaged, that was like the first I really, really, really got hit with some religious trauma in the beginning of twenty fifteen um, and that just kind of like popped my evangelical bubble that I was in, like God is love, God is amazing, and it just sent me onto this spiral of like like a two year depression, like very, very bad. And, you know, I was still in that space. Like, all I need is God. Like, if I just push through this, I like uh, this is my Exodus period. I just need to trust that he has a purpose and a plan. And I just was not getting that relief, you know, mm-hmm. from Bible studies, from small groups, from you know, like doing the things, you know, and so like came to this point, like either I'm wrong approach to this whole spirituality thing and this whole Christian thing, or God is just like really sadistic and wants Mm. to see you suffer, you know? And so that just kind of like, cause then, you know, we came from a more reformed, well, I, I came from a more reformed Christian. I won't speak for Derek Christian background. Um, and so for me, it was like, I was God's pawn, you know, like, yes, he loved me. Yes. He came and died for me, but like, He can take me at any moment and I just have to be okay with that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. You know, I can be struggling with depression and that's just my cross to bear. Yeah. And so it's just this complete sever of a relationship that God wanted anything good for me. But then you're told at the same time that like the goodness of God will carry you through and that should be enough while like you're sitting there struggling with anxiety and depression and it just, it was not, um, it was not where I wanted to be. And so after years of going through that, um, it kind of just like created a lot of apathy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, Derek actually was the one who like theologically deconstructed. I was the one who just had that spiritual abuse and decided to kind of take a critical look as, at what he was looking at, you know, cause for me, I couldn't even think about Theological stances. You know, it just, I didn't want anything to do with it. So, yeah, that was kind of like the background for me. And um, just coming to this place of like feeling empowered where I was and how like a lot of evangelicalism um, tries to shut down experiences, tries to invalidate you because you've suffered pain in the church and have experienced abuse. You know, it's not all churches. You just didn't do it right. You weren't truly saved. Like, All of that stuff. Like I've Mm. heard it all, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and just like this need to invalidate Mm. others experiences to ensure that their own is correct. Um, and so when I started talking about it, people gave me that whole spiel and it was so hard for me because I feel like my voice was taken. Um,
3: It's like the spiritual bypassing. Yeah.
2: And it's just like, well, I'm sorry that you experienced that. Uh, that's not true. You know, like right. you just didn't go to the right church. You just didn't, you know, believe God enough. And it's like, no, I did all of those things, right? you right. know, and it, it just, the no true Scotsman. Thing. Yeah. No true, no true Scotsman fallacy. Um, right. but yeah, so it just came to a head where I was just like, you know what? I kind of don't give a shit. <laughs> and it just, you know, I started posting more and more on my personal Facebook started like ruffling a lot of feathers and I'm I'm like a enneagram seven but like very much an eight as well so for me yeah. like if you disagree with me I'm like okay
1: and? Like, Sweet, let's <laughs> start know? this thing
2: yeah yeah let's go yeah
0: um I was so, gonna ask if you guys knew your your enneagrams oh yeah
2: oh do we <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay Derek what are you oh, sorry we. a little split in the conversation there What what's your enneagram
2: so I'm I'm I go back and forth between like, She's am I like seven or an 51
3: eight? 51 Like on the yeah. test, it says seven, but we're like, you're more I eight. Yeah. No, <laughs> <For sure>. i <laughs> let's...
0: I feel you. I feel you. But and then, Derek, what are
3: you? I am the quintessential two wings. Like, like, text, two AT.
0: Textbook. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> like, lick
3: your fingers, scroll through the pages.
0: You're like, AM that's me. All me. wrote it about me. Yeah,
1: that's so funny. I keep going back and forth. I can't tell if I'm just an unhealthy four or if I'm a healthy two right now. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I go back and forth so often because I love I love helping people and taking care of people. But I'm like, is it just because I'm avoiding my own creativity and my own expression? (laughs) Yeah, there's a (laughs)
2: lot. Well, they're both a heart type. So
0: that's true. That's true. I didn't know what I was for a while, but I am a five. And oh,
2: awesome. I,
0: but I often, so it's interesting. I I'm very similar to my lines as well. So like to seven and eight, I go mm-hmm. to eight actually a lot. That's so that technically I go to eight in health or your heart point or whatever. Um, But I really relate to eights and in, uh, in a yeah. lot of ways, but I'm a five through and through. That's I'm awesome. Five. I,
2: fives are like so valuable. My brother in laws a five and I just have like the best, like most, most in-depth conversations with him. And it's mm. always like, like food for my brain, you know? Uh,
0: I'm just, <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> yes. They're like what thoroughly invested. There? Like they've invested time and research and like real honest work into the things that they yes. that they are passionate yes. about. Oh,
0: stop. It. You're making me blush.
1: <laughs> 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 so I'm curious, Derek. Uh, so yeah. Rachel, you said that Derek started the theological deconstruction to your spiritual deconstruction. What, what did that, what did that look like? What was the timeline on that?
3: Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um Rachel and I, you know, we met at Bible College. Um we met at a very reformed Calvinist Bible College. Classic. Um he yes. Oh, yes, classic. <laughs> like cringe, but yes, classic. Um But yeah, we 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 met and honestly, you know, it was there was still a lot of things from the beginning that we didn't see eye to eye on, and um, <laughs> we kind of just went on and and the more that we went into our marriage and into our relationship, the more we realized that you know we naturally just had different perspectives and and whatever. But um, through our deconstruction journey, it was like I was deconstructing in very, like she said, kind of just very practical theological ways, I guess. And then for her, it was more of like an experience that happened totally. that was shitty uh, with just certain people in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like, I- I'm deconstructing as a result of that. So that was kind of what she was referring to. But anyway, point being, we found ourselves at this crossroads where we like had been so on different paths for so long. And then we like got to a point where like, oh, shit, like,
2: wait, <laughs> We're we, intersecting. we actually agree <laughs> on things. What? <laughs> What is happening? (laughs) It
3: was
2: really rough, though. We couldn't talk about like anything spiritual, yeah, spiritual at all for like three or three years, four years. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, so yeah. I mean, it was it was actually you know a lot. um, So wait, that was
0: that was when you were engaged when it started, right? And then Mm. you got married. Uh-huh. And then later you talked about it is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So so to get, I guess, a little more specific for me, my my deconstruction, I guess, um, if I want to talk about like it formally starting, uh, really centered around the uh re- you know, rethinking hell and questioning mm-hmm. a lot of just horrible and abusive teaching that is misunderstood around that topic. I'm very passionate about exposing that. Yeah. Um, but It was right around the time of the birth of our our first son. And I remember just looking at him and loving him and thinking, there's nothing that you could do to me that would ever make me want to hurt you and Mm. harm you. So I can't imagine that uh, God that we know as father would ever want to do this to his kids, no matter how far off they wandered. Totally totally. To imagine that he would willfully want people to be tortured for eternity is just, Mm. not only is it so backwards, and you have to do so many mental gymnastics to even sustain that thought. But just even digging into all of that, and I've posted on that on our page and whatnot. But I mean, that that really got me starting. And I remember listening to podcasts. Uh, that was like really something that gave me a lot of life. You know, listening to people like uh, William Paul Young, mm-hmm. author of The Shack talk. I remember being like, "Oh my gosh!"
2: I remember when he brought that book into our house. I was like. Game. That is like, su- I've heard such terrible things.
3: about. That it's, it's demonic. It
2: now. That was like, what is happening? Yeah, Adam I gave I I me sh- a couple of double takes
0: <laughs> when I uh, brought Tarot into the house. He was like, oh, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so. Funny. Uh, so tell we, me you're deconstructing without telling me you're de- deconstructing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah literally. Bring <laughs> over the tarot cards. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. So for us, it, it was so much. I guess it was a lot quicker for us. But I think I I was I was deconstructed and stagnant. I I mm-hmm. never kind of had any sort of construction of what my theology really looked like outside of mm-hmm. whatever you know. I mean, I, I I think a lot of us grew up very Calvinist. And, and that yeah. seems to be a common thread that I find for people that are pretty vocal about their deconstruction. And I don't know if that's because we were all super evangelicals at some point, and so we're still in our own way mm-hmm. evangelizing about the truth <laughs> or the journey or whatever. But um, yeah, ours, I mean, we had about a two-week lapse where where it was really hard Between to talk about things. Between the two of us. Yeah. But with her being a five, she, she basically threw together a thesis paper for me <laughs> <laughs> in her own spare time and then oh gosh, and then presented that. it all to me at the same time. So I was I, fortunate and unfortunate enough to just get buried by it so that I could figure out how to dig my way out. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I I mean, yeah. Our, ours was just... We were uh, on the road as CCM musicians. We were in a band together. We were frontline, you know, as an artist on stage talking about God, my relationship with God and, you know, even a lot of modesty, purity culture stuff was in there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was I, I was not only taught it, but I taught it. And, you know, there's a lot of healing that had to be done in that. But sure. so anyway, so we had that's similarly Adam and I had we met in a in a way that was uh, not <laughs> Not in the way that we live out now, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the way yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. met and the way we met, it was like uh, religion. Yeah. But now right. what we do together is <laughs> kind of breaking <laughs> such things down. Um, but anyway, oh, so man. yeah. I, went, I just went through a lot of uh, – about six months of silent research without Adam ever knowing. And mm. then, yeah, I just – I don't think I necessarily came out with a thesis. It was more of (laughs) here is everything that I believe now, but because this is what I believe, I'm okay with whatever you believe. And that's, it was open-ended. Yeah, And I think that's what gave you the opportunity to kind of ask the questions. Yeah.
1: So what did did it look like for you guys when you were able to start actually having those conversations again? Let's go back to that.
0: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating.
3: refreshing because I don't know, I've just always had like a desire to know God. And while that view of how I understand God has changed so much over the scope of my life, um, I think that's just been very core to who I am. I've just been very inquisitive or curious when it comes to spiritual things. And so, um, yeah, I think that it was like a part of me that I felt like I couldn't express at times you know what i mean and so Mm -hmm. but i wanted to honor just the place that she was in with her healing and dealing with the trauma that she's had to go through and and all that shit and you know i um anyway so when when it got to a point where like we could kind of talk about things and we were realizing that we were seeing eye to eye on certain uh topics i think it 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 was kind of freeing to be able to express some things that i was quietly doing you know almost like not quite like what you were doing but but like, as far as the six six months of quiet study but in in, in a sense, it was very similar, and so it's like sharing all these discoveries, all these things that I had wanted mm-hmm. to talk to her about, but you know knew mm-hmm. that she yeah. wasn't comfortable even talking about, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, for me like it I held on to reformed beliefs for a lot longer than he did. I remember one day, I think it was like in twenty 17. I came home from work. I'm a coach. Um, and I came home that night from just getting done with rehearsal and he like shared a video with me on hell and it not being eternal Mm. and it not being tormenting. And I was just like, I texted my old mentor who was the one who caused a lot of spiritual trauma in my life. Yeah. That set off that whole thing, mm. and um, I don't think
3: I knew this part of the story. Yeah, I oh, texted
2: my old mentor. <laughs>
3: Look and at new, new info yeah. being that—that's uh, how it works.
2: That's how it works. <laughs> Adam's learned. Seen. We've learned a lot about each other through these conversations. <laughs> <of Brodellia. laughs> but it was just one of those things that, like, he exposed me to a lot of different things, and um, and I was thankful because for me, like, I was going and getting my degree. Um in religion at, at a secular university, I hate that I have to say secular, but when you get a religious degree, people immediately think seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, true. and I did go to a Bible college, but um no, I went to the University of Georgia um but yeah, it just I remember going and learning and being very, very challenged there, and then coming home and having very similar challenges with Derek's information that he was giving me. And it just like was one of those things that like I felt like I would be healed by God from my trauma if I was staying true to like gospel beliefs or like like yeah. fundamental beliefs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so totally. it was so hard for me to like let go and learn because I thought that to overcome my depression and my anxiety, I just had to abide
3: more by scripture.
2: Mm. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. So or
3: like that that particularly yeah. literal yeah. rigid
2: Because I remember us
3: having a a conversation, you know, I was, I was working for a uh, very evangelical company. Um, And that was kind of in the midst of my deconstruction, having to play cognitive dissonance slash not wanting to open up about what I was believing. And anyway, she had called me on, like we would regularly talk on our, on my lunch break. And, you know, she was like, oh my gosh, I know the creation account was like uh, allegorical and it's not an actual literal literal (laughs) event that happened. And I was like, yeah, it's like (laughs) she was like, I was crying as I was talking to my professor and I don't know what to do and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I understand. It was just so
2: challenging because he brought up in class that like hell wasn't eternal as well. And I was just like, Mm. what are these concepts that I've never heard of before, you know? Right. And then it was he, like he explained yeah. it to me in such a, a real way, like right. um with the G- Genesis creation story. Mm-hmm. And that's just like for me, like what I enjoy so much about the work that we do now is like people don't feel like they have the freedom to gnaw on those things and consider those things from a theological perspective. Mm-hmm. And like while I don't well, I'm uncertain in my beliefs and I don't really like take a label anymore um, a certain like religious label. Um, I'm very passionate about seeing Christians in particular, ow, I just hit the table (laughs) in
0: particular.
2: (laughs) I'm talking with my hands. (laughs) Um, I do that all the time. Um, in particular, being free to, to critically think and, and understand like biblical literature and how it was written and just things like that. And, um, so understanding this about the creation story was a really, really big defining moment in my deconstruction because mm-hmm. um, it just made sense. Yeah. You know, it, it stopped being a fight of, like Derek said earlier, like hermeneutical gymnastics and mm-hmm. just was like, I can take the Bible for what it is and leave it for what it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, like take it for what it is communicating and it doesn't have to have the answer for everything. Yeah. It can be like a... a a book of beautiful stories and history Mm -hmm. and that can be what it is and it can communicate God, but it doesn't have to communicate every little thing that we Uh, think it does. Right. You know,
3: I think it's oftentimes like it's evident of indoctrination when, you know, you're finally exposed to a healthier way of seeing things. And it's like, I guess, for lack of a better term, it's like you're waking up from being under a spell in a sense it's like you, you're like Always hypnotized or a bad dream right yeah and and it's it's like you're starting to see. The world in color, and you were told everything was black and white. But
2: it's scary to see in color. It for is the first time. You don't want to, right? You know,
3: yeah. It's it's like the whole Matrix analogy of like taking the red pill or blue pill, and right. you know what I mean. More I, idea. I, anyway, I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I've seen the Matrix.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I I get what you're saying though. It's it's often it's more comfortable, even even if we later on discover it, we were so much better out of our our uh boxes that we were in or sinking ships right. that we were in you know we often get comfortable with either the pain that we live with or mm-hmm. the um the anxieties we live with or the the bondages the what the the chains if you want to bring in like mm-hmm. some uh christian old, <laughs> old garbage, um, <laughs> things that we live with you know that it's it's almost it's almost easier to just kind of stay there it's not it's it's easier to Stay with what you know rather than right. breaking out of those things. And I mean, I you recently actually talked about that on your Instagram, and you had mentioned that. Um, that I think one of the slides talked about how theology isn't God, and mm-hmm. um, I think that kind of ties into that uh, perspective. Yeah. And 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 being able to um, talk about it and ask these questions, and um, yeah, I think that's really cool. That that's kind of what brought you to your uh, deconstruction in a sense i mean there's there's lots of little things that we can all day be like well there was that one day when that person said that yeah. one thing and helped me deconstruct and but yeah it's it's fun to hear people's stories and especially mm-hmm. hearing you guys and how you as a an engaged married couple kind of have uh, gone about your deconstruction and reconstruction it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't end with deconstruction course um thankfully thankfully, there's more after that um and so yeah what's what's it been like now for you guys since you have started this instagram last summer and you have this community um what what does you said you don't really identify with anything specific like religiously like but what 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 does it look like for you now today like spiritually is there like spiritual practice Mm -hmm practices that you have that you use um, or is it more just like knowledge-based stuff?
2: Um, so I'll, I'll let Derek go first because he actually does identify as Christian.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely do. And here's the thing though. Like I, I, in a lot of ways, I, you know, of course I wrestle with it just as much as anyone else does. Um, here's the thing though. Like I, I don't love that term for a lot of reasons and for what it, it communicates. Yeah, yeah, it, without getting, you know, stuck in semantics. I, I just I hope to reclaim some of that in some sense totally. and just like you know, hopefully be able to um communicate like a sim- the essence of of what I would hope uh to recover from a lot mm. of toxic abuse. That's really honestly held christianity bondage mm. to be honest you know what i mean like yeah. it, it's unfortunate to me that so much of christianity has been associated with um you know exclusion of lgbtqi plus community um you know not advocating for uh bipoc people not you know standing in solidarity with people who are um you know suffering and you know trauma survivors it's it's like it's empowering you know this exclusive elite club, and for some reason, I at least in the evolution of Christianity in America, it's been more about power and money and I mean, honestly, it's become synonymous with empire, right? you know it's yeah. just having this total domination, and I mean, I just I want it to be about love, yeah like truly and and and, and the exhausting thing that happens today is the more and more the church deviates from it's what like
2: love m- redefined.
3: Right. Yes. But it's, it's love so convoluted that it needs to justify abuse. Yeah. Oh, I'm speaking the truth in love. No, you're actually being a total asshole. Right. You're elevating your theology above a person mm. yeah. above humanity. and Yeah. Ab- ab- above people's humanity. And, and the thing is too, is like, you know, Rachel's big on this, but like when you prioritize your own doctrine ab- above loving people, like, what's the point of that? Like, right. wh- why? You know what I mean? And right. I don't know. So for me, it's, it's uh, I, I love, you know, reading and learning and listening to podcasts. And like I said, you know, challenging a lot of what's conventionally understood um, to be non-negotiables, quote unquote. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I guess I, I don't want to necessarily you know, be afraid to even hold some of that title of Christian just because I think a lot of people too in in deconstruction, I think can swing to another side of fundamentalism where we just end up becoming what we hate of Mm -hmm. the other side, so to say, and living in this dualistic place of, well, I I hate, I hate those people. I, I don't want there to be division. I don't want there to be hate. And people are totally empowered and validated in their pain and their hurt and they should be recognized and, and going through that. Mm -hmm. By all means, I'm supporting that. And that's what our platform is all about is giving people that place to safely express and, and experience, you know, empathy and, and, and be heard, you know, because a lot of times trauma survivors are silenced, you know, their stories are invalidated. Right. And, um, so anyway, all that to be said is like, I, I just hope to bring about some, some place for where people may want to reconstruct in a different direction. They may, they may not even want to carry the term Christian. That's fine. But to me, and and this is just for me, I, I have seen too much of who Jesus is to, you know, want to be like peace out just because there's a lot of fucked up people, including myself.
1: (laughs) Right. Right? Well, there's a (laughs) lot of power in reclaiming your identities that you grew up with. I mean, you already at least for myself I've, i i felt like i already was abandoning so much of my identity because my identity was so wrapped up in church mm-hmm. whether right. it was you know both of us being ccm artists being yeah. our creativity and our finances and our lifestyle are all tied into our ability to be a professional christian and so to be able to go back and say there is there is so much good that i that i knew when i was still in those spaces That I don't want to just surrender to those that want to do harm with that kind of theology. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think there's a lot of power in that.
0: I think there's power in that. And I think there's equal power in leaving it all behind.
1: Of course. You know, it's like
0: both, both and, which is kind of cool that you guys are two sides not two sides of that coin again it's not dual um but yeah, you can kind of both have like a different there's two yeah. of you okay so there's yeah.
1: one,
0: <laughs> that's what i mean i get what you're saying and i'm then, picking up
3: what you're putting
1: down <laughs> well and and also for you to be like you had mentioned earlier to to be speaking amongst those that her, have survived trauma from the church for you to reclaim some of that you have to be very careful with the things that you're saying, because, Mm -hmm. because you can be, I mean, not you specifically, but, but one can become the person that says, well, I'm so sorry that that was your experience, but, but here is, here is the good that I've brought Uh from my upbringing that was Christianity. And so how do you guys navigate, how do you navigate not gaslighting one another Mm -hmm. um, through your reclaiming of your faith or, or finding new faith?
2: Um, so for me, I, Derek and I are very different. Like that, as he was talking, I was like, Oh, he's such a two, you know, he just wants like he's in unity. Um, but for (laughs) me, it's like, always believe the victim. Cause, cause for me, like, I don't do many spiritual practices anymore. I literally only touch the Bible for assignments, um, whatever, um, that may look like. Uh, or content that we're creating. But, you know, I am, I feel very empowered by our community and who is in front of us. Um, And so that's where I I find a lot of my spirituality is like connecting with one another, loving one another, affirming one another, um, and validating pain and abuse um, that like somebody has experienced. Um, Because I think it is very, you know, very, very common, just the lines of abuse, like the abusive structure, because for like such a big, and I'm using this language kind of harsh and I don't mean it this way, but like a big scam of theology that we have come to know as American Christians, um, or what's common, uh, to keep somebody in that is a lot of gaslighting, a lot of, you know, narcissistic abuse a lot. I mean, it could go on and on and on, um, cognitive dissonance, like all of the poppy words that we know. Um, but I think that also, and I I've been wanting to say this, um, but the generational trauma in the church, like we hear about generational trauma in families and how somebody like stopping and going to, you know, therapy and and working really, really hard on themselves to then change for the next generation of, of their family. You know, I think that that's kind of what's happening in the church. Like a lot of people are deconstructing this generational trauma that we see, um, narcissistic leadership is awful. It is so, so bad right now. And people are realizing ways that they've been lied to ways that they've been, you know, kept in this cycle to keep them sick, because that's what the generation above us has been taught. And that is what is normal to them. So it's almost like, and I use this term a lot, and I don't mean it offensively, but this Stockholm syndrome kind of deal where, you know, of course, the older generation above us who is, and I, this term, discipling the younger generation, you know, is going to speak from a place of trauma, because that's, that is what is common. It is a generate like a when you start from when the church was absolved by Rome and the Roman Empire all the way to now, like there's no way that there's no systematic structure of abuse, you know, right. just how it's just like built layers and layers and layers. Um, and I think with each reformation, a lot of people see that it's gotten better. You know, I I personally despise Luther because he was. A terrible human being, right, but uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, beyond that, um, a lot of people advocate for him because he brought the Bible to everybody in like German. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a good thing, but he also did so much harm. And people, good, you know, that his Reformation was good, mm. um, and it, and it, I, I don't think it was. And right. the same with Calvin. You know, in my degree, I had to do a lot of studies with uh, what he said about women. And that was really, really, really triggering and nice. hard to get through because how much he hated women. And a lot of people build these theologies and, and their ideologies on these men who Luther hated Jew- the Jewish community. Right. Like wanted to see them eradicated. You know, Calvin hated a lot of things, women especially, you know. And so yeah. <laughs> sure. with this, like, th- I I would be shocked if somebody didn't experience that trauma in church somehow, but it's so the norm to deny that and make that the individual's responsibility because they just need to, well, don't take it out on, you know, the church of course Mm. is imperfect. People Mm. of course are imperfect. Don't take it out on God. You just need to submit. You just need to trust. And that is the lie of a narcissist. You know, I, have done a lot of work in CPTSD recovery, um, of, you know, getting over my narcissistic abuse. And it is so similar to things that a lot of people have experienced. Um, so going back to your question, um, it's kind of like when a victim comes forward that has experienced sexual assault by somebody, Um, And the media is kind of like, oh, she's just doing it for attention or a lot of people dismiss her, deny her. Um, There's a there's a rising movement of always believing the victim, which I think is absolutely appropriate and necessary Mm -hmm. because there's been a a very large denial to protect those in power. Right. Um, And so with the work that we do, it's no matter what, like always believe the victim, always side with the victim because the victim's voices are are. Snowballing and being heard more and more and more, and it's that rise of the victims of abuse who have been wronged by the institution that will change and will bring the next reform. So for me, it's not necessarily connecting with a a deity or you know the Christian God or whatever it may be. It's seeing all of this happening under the name of this like quote one true God, especially in America, this monotheistic God. Um, that a lot of people in the American Church are ordaining this abuse mm-hmm. and seeing it as structural to the church, um, and defending the church when that abuse is brought to their attention. Um, so, and it's under oh my gosh, I get this phrase all the time: uh, Jesus didn't come to like rectify it; He came to save people from sin and death. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so we should just like let Spiritual abuse faster. Vibe what you're talking about like is that what we want to do right Right. now like we want because but but at the same time you know they're advocating for things like ending sex trafficking and you know that's a really big one for them yeah but they can't sit there and justify somebody who's been sexually assaulted in the church you know what I'm saying it's like so backwards yeah
3: I think it's when it's it's too close to home right it's like let's go build wells Mm. overseas right Let's, uh, you know, go down south of the border and, and help do construction and paint, you know, whatever, take it off our box and not really have to, you, you know what I mean? It's like satisfy that, Oh, I did something, you know, noble and spiritual. And like, I think the reality is, is like, you know, the problem is when it's too close to home, like someone who's in need, like a, a struggling single mom, for example, who's working two jobs, but the pastor gets up and says to tithe more, give more for a building fund. And they they live, you know, in a mansion. Um you know what I mean? It's like they're driving off this in their is Rolls like Royce.
2: Subtweeting our last church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: No, yeah. I mean I get it because
1: it's like it's like you get into into these places where um it's it's so much easier to deal with a hypothetical. It's it's a right. lot easier to theorize about how you can help the world rather than deal with the people that are right in front of you because that takes actual work. That yeah. takes that takes observance of the people around you and for you to step outside of your own worship of self in those spaces where you're saying, well, if this was right in front of me, I would go and do take care of whatever I needed to, love the people that I needed to well, fortunately for you, it's not in front of you right now. So that requires nothing of you. It's a very <laughs> privileged position to be in. To yeah. Deal with, I mean, even a conversation I was having with a friend the other day, it's a very privileged position to be able to be in it around nobody who has any sort of problems or struggles that need to be addressed immediately and rectified mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. constantly deal in conspiracy theories and hypotheticals.
3: Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Well, I think
2: that's one of those things like when an evangelical Christian or whoever Christian um, does sit with somebody in their pain, it's like another check off their box. It's like, oh, well, I did this for Jesus today. So like, I'm good because I helped this person like through their trauma. But it's not like a long suffering, if that makes sense. It's not like they there's like this impatience if somebody continues to struggle. If you know what I'm saying.
3: Well, yeah. And there's this this uh, anxious need to spiritually bypass, to like offer these cliches. Why, is it why isn't
2: it working for you? Yeah, like, just like, why...
3: just surrender it to God. Like, mm. what, you know, like all these. Yeah. No, no, but like all, <laughs> there's, there's this really unhealthy inability for people to just Wanted be, to be human yeah. with one another. Anyway. I don't want to belabor that point, but the the whole idea is that we've we've constructed something, or you know, the church has constructed this pattern of like not making adequate space for people to actually be in need. And like, if you are in need, oh, we'll go see this pastor and you know schedule this appointment, and so it's like there's no actual human to human real like relationships. It's so systematic and organizational and not that that's all inherently wrong but i right. see so much of like capitalist corporate america synonymous with how churches run today it's like yeah
1: well the thing is like so for lauren and i we went out on a few of those like you know the big christian tours where where yeah. it's you've got the the pitch for um uh for Feed My Starving Children or, or those kind yeah. of things where it's like they, they go to these huge events. They are these massive personalities that make incredible amounts of money for standing on stage and being an identity and, and a figure of Christianity standing on stage. And they go out to supposedly help help these kids get fed. Right. So then they give you the pitch for so many dollars a month. You can sponsor this kid and, and in this place through this company and they'll take care of X, Y, and Z. But the thing is, like, being on the back end of that, the only conversation that I heard from the artists that were up there actually pitching it is, okay, who's going out to sell kids tonight? Because, oh, because, oh, yeah. they're, because they're making so much money. I mean, there's, there's artists that are entirely only on a tour to do that because there's so much more money and being on the road and making commission off from selling children, basically. Wow. I mean, in in which in, in speaks, their own words,
0: which speaks of that the problem there, but also, but oh. also
1: the system that is put in place. That is, if 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 the person that's just advocating for the assistance of this child through a program, if that person is making enough money to to be able to go. And do those sorts of things, the system that's put in place isn't for the child. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It isn't for that labor that they're selling. It isn't for the work and, and the healing. Maybe that's a byproduct of the business. Oh yeah. But but I think you're right. I think there is so much capitalism tied up in Christianity and tied up in the selling the idea of goodwill as a Christian to mm-hmm. to the the contemporary population. Well, have
3: I've I've heard it said that like the amount of like money donated to the church if it was properly distributed could
2: it was taxes if they were taxed.
3: Oh, okay. Well whatever. And maybe okay, I'm <laughs> I probably shouldn't say it then if I if I'm gonna say it wrong. <laughs> or you
2: to say, like feed tax? feed the world like Yeah. Like, yeah something like that. that. Like there would be no like Uh, people experiencing homelessness or hunger in America, if churches were taxed, essentially like there would be enough money to like send everybody to college for free tuition and like, like put people into housing. If churches were taxed, it it was like a
3: a really. (laughs) Yeah. And tax exemption existed to help churches that were actually doing good. Wanting. yeah, Yeah. Wanting assistance, you know, yeah. Taking care of the poor and doing what it should have been used for. And like I had kind of hinted at my previous job, um, you know i I've seen just the loopholes in the system and ways that you can take advantage of that stuff for gain. As a, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's it's so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I I loved hearing y'all's differences in the way you've kind of handled and are still handling. I mean, it, again, it's there's no end point right um, unless until we're done here unless (laughs) we're like not here on this earth in the same way um you know right I just I feel like it's really interesting and and lovely to hear from two different perspectives because you know Adam and I are actually very similar um Mm -hmm. so Adam he's it's funny because we actually just recently did a podcast how he considers himself less spiritual Um, but at the same time is more of the spiritual practice person. Like he likes meditation and yoga and perhaps that's because you feel less spiritual. So you want to implement (laughs) spiritual practice. I I don't know. Um, but Adam, uh, he still identifies as, as a Christian. And for me, I don't. And it's just interesting to hear like, you know, it's, it's a very similar take on that. And, um, And even Adam, the way you asked the question, like how do you not like gaslight each other was interesting to me because like that it, it is something that I I feel like as a married couple, as anyone in a relationship with another human being, you have to be careful not to do that with a a variety of things. And especially when, when it comes with the heavy load of, you know, religious trauma or past hurt or anything like that. So um, it's something that I feel like I'm having to take into consideration a lot of the times. When sometimes it feels good to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater in some sure, yeah. Um and but at the same time recognizing that that's not that's not what is the case for everyone. And and not to say it's not for them yet. That's the language like I I truly try to be careful of because that's mm-hmm. again that's like a higher of. Ev- like evolution of yeah. spirituality that I certainly don't ever mean to imply um or to put pressure on even whenever we first we de- were first deconstructing my whole point was to even talking with Adam or anyone is just to be like hey here's where I'm at but because of where I'm at I'm I'm happy with wherever you you are as well yeah and so being able to have that and here so anyway hearing that from y'all's per- perspective too is just really special and um and so another thing that you guys have have dealt with i don't know if that's the right proper (laughs) words but the things that you've you've been recently sharing about is rachel you're you know uh recently discovering that you are asexual
1: Hey everyone, want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode.
0: Um, yeah. And that was, I think, within the year or so, last year? Yeah. So I think in October is when I posted,
2: like during, like com- National Coming Out Day is when I posted on our
0: page. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was... That was really cool because, you know, I feel like so many people uh, need need a voice that's (laughs) Mm -hmm. speaking up for those who are asexual. I feel like like there's really not that many voices and it's it's kind of lost in a lot of the conversations um, and especially it in a marriage right there that's I feel like that well there's
2: that stigma around it that like you die alone you know that an asexual person has no like interpersonal relationships like that you know and that's not reality um right (laughs) I am very much asexual (laughs) but I also really really enjoy my partnership with Derek
3: Absolutely. Um, you do? Oh my god! <laughs> 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 the two and him. Just like Aww, is happy Valentine's hot. Day. <laughs> you
2: know, I'm glad so you brought this up because I was thinking about this today when I was like picking some stuff at Walgreens. Picking some stu- Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Picking some stuff up at Walgreens. Um, I was thinking about asexuality and how like a lot of people ask me if purity culture was part of a play and mm. finding my asexuality and how they're like, a lot of people come to me and ask if they're, they're not sure if it's the repercussions of purity culture and if that's messing with their desire for sex mm. or, you know, if that's making them wow. feel a lot of shame around sex. And so therefore they're thinking that they're asexual, but they actually aren't. Right. Um, but I, you know, my thing is a late, like exploring your sexuality is a, a, a very taboo thing on many levels, yeah. you know, people who come out as gay or lesbian or bi feel this need to be validated by tracking it all the way back to birth Mm. and thinking that the only way that they can be valid in their sexuality is if they were born that way. You know what I'm saying? When that's not reality. I I believe that sexuality is very fluid and that Mm -hmm. we have to critically look at the exclusion that we are placing on people to say that no well you're not because you were in a straight relationship in high school or mm-hmm. in college or right. you know and it and it's not like you had a suppressed thing it's just you know it, it is this way and it and it's fluid and you're coming to like different things yeah. you know and so for me when i first came to the conclusion that i was asexual it it had a lot to do with it like you know i Suffered at the hands of men in, in various ways that had a lot of influencing to do with it. I went through purity culture in various ways that you know had a lot to do with it. But was I born asexual? Probably not. You know, am I now? Yes. Yeah. And and that's okay. And I think that if purity culture influences that part of your sexuality, taking that that label and, and claiming it and filtering things can give you a lot of ease in that mm-hmm. because it takes the pressure. I know for Derek and I, we struggled for years and years and years because I just was uncomfortable. It was, it's just not my nature mm-hmm. um, to like ever, you know, like I, I watched the bachelorette and the bachelor every year and I just never find any <laughs> of the men attractive or any of the women attractive. And I'm like, is something wrong with me? Yeah. And yeah. then I just found out that I was asexual. You right. Know? Um, because again, like the term is so misrepresented um, mm, yeah. that, you know, I was like, well, I'm married. I have two kids. I've obviously had sex in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think like taking on, sorry, I, I don't think I let you get to like the punchline question. And no, I'm just going no, go to go for it. Go for it.
0: <laughs> I'm this is like I a, a podcast host dream. dream. Was like, I don't have to ask a question. You just talk about it. Go for it.
2: (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I, I would say like, for me, like taking on that label was like a huge sigh of relief Um, because it was like, I struggled for years feeling different, I guess I would say like, my cousin literally told me that I like just needed to like get laid, you know? And it was like, things that like, cause she's a, she's an incredibly sexual person Mm. and was trying to bring that on me. And I'm like, I just, I'm not, that's not who I am. You're like, it's not (laughs) going to happen. (laughs) Um, so it was just like this pressure that I had to be a certain way. And, you know, for me, I am like very pro make your own decisions and, you know, figure out your sexuality and, what you like sexually and all this stuff, but it was just never my thing. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, coming to terms with it has really healed a lot in Derek and I's marriage. And we've yeah. been able to like give each other like that space, um, to like both feel what we're feeling. And he was so sweet when I came out. Um, he like bought me a stickers and got me a little Aww. card and he, he's been like supportive since day one. So it's been yeah. really, really sweet. Um, um, Gosh, but
1: that's incredible. yeah,
2: so and my like my best friend got me like tea and honey and like got me a card too. It was like the best experience ever. Aww. Um, yeah. And then my high schooler friend was like, that makes 110 percent. <laughs> like, <laughs> Obviously, you know, it's like, um, so it was it was a really positive experience for yeah. me. Um, but I if I can say anything to anybody, if they're speculating, if they're asexual, um, if you think it's through the lens of purity culture, explore that, you know, explore mm-hmm. that term asexual. See if it works for you. There's no shame in like putting on a label and realizing it doesn't work. Amen.
1: You yes. Amen. You we preach
0: that all the time.
1: Try, yeah. it, try it on. Yeah. on. Try <laughs> it
0: on. Try it on. Just try it on. Exactly. You can take it off. Just try it on. Yeah. Right. And and it's one of those things like if
2: it helps you for a week, if it helps you for a month, if it helps you for your lifetime, like that is beneficial to your story and your journey. And it should, it should, you know, um, be worth considering, um, if it brings you that and that clarity. Yeah. I love that. That's
1: huge. Just because like, I mean, and I love the fact that you said that like, it doesn't, you don't have to be born with it and, and claiming those kind of things. Yeah. For it to be valid. Like, and, and, and if it was something that had happened through the course of your life claiming it and finding community and 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 realizing that truth gives you mm-hmm. the space from trying to fix it yeah. and gives right. you gives you the relief from trying to have that conversation with partners and have that frustration with self
0: yeah wow yeah. i really love that i i'm really glad that you shared and i'm yeah i'm happy that you had that kind of thought yesterday at Walgreens and got to share <laughs> it, got to share it with us and our listeners too, because I feel like I certainly believe that that's something that you're going to probably talk about and share on your, um, your Instagram, if you feel, uh, inclined. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people would be able to, would really benefit from that because, you know, I've even explored my own sexuality, even while, you know, we've been married, just like in my own Mm -hmm. head being like, well, you know, what about these other times that I was not attracted to, to, You know, I was young and we would go in the mall and me and my friends or my friends would Mm -hmm. point out every hot guy that walked by and whatever. And it wasn't like a thing for me. And so I'm like, well, was yeah, was I born this way? If I wasn't born this way, then I don't I don't get to explore. And that's just not yeah. true. And I, it's like and, gatekeeping ourselves. Oh you my know? gosh, totally. Yeah. Gatekeeping ourselves. And then, um, and then you had also talked about gaslighting ourselves. And those are two things that I feel like we're still exploring. And I feel like we mm-hmm. definitely, um, are still learning to unpack because so often we have just, taught ourselves how to be and how to survive. And so we're learning all these rules that we've put on ourselves. And yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool.
2: Thank you for bringing that up. I haven't really gotten to talk about it too much. Um, so I really appreciate that opportunity.
0: Of course. And I'm assuming, so, I mean, you, you said ever since like you came out, it's been something that you and Derek have been able to kind of, um, it's it's been so helpful for you because there's been verbiage mm-hmm. there's been now more open conversation about what it looks like for the two of you and be able to um, discuss more openly about what you both want and need or what you don't want and what you don't need And yeah. I feel like just that open communication is just so beautiful yeah. it really has helped us a lot yeah
2: well, he's smiling at me. <laughs> he's no, like, yeah, I mean, yeah it has.
1: <laughs> It's just one of those things that like one of the first things that we would talk about was um just being open with communication about I mean everything, but purity culture specifically yeah. in the beginning of our relationship and in the beginning of our deconstruction mm-hmm. and it helped so much for us. Well, cuz we
0: ha- we broke down what sex meant because yeah. <laughs> because for us like the, just to get a little tmi since you shared openly about your life we'll share openly about ours you know sex was intercourse wasn't our thing for the for the for first a long time. little bit of our <laughs> marriage yeah. it just wasn't functioning for us and it was not good for us and <laughs> yeah, yeah um, for sure then then we had things to talk about we're like well what about the other stuff we're doing isn't yeah. isn't that sex and if that's sex then what about the the fact that we were doing that stuff before we got married. Was that sex then too? Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? I, well, and and just understanding that intimacy with one another goes in, beyond sex. It, it yeah. is intermingling every piece of physical touch and intellectual conversation mm-hmm. and acts of service and all of those things not to be like gosh. Robert California from The Office, but everything is sex
3: in a way. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, that's true. That's true. That
3: should be the title of this episode. Everything <laughs> is sex. Robert everything California. Sex. Oh
1: do we have gosh. to do the whole like uh, the Quote, Wayne unquote. Wayne Gretz, Wayne Gretzky Michael Scott quotes on that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But, oh, yeah, it totally
0: is, and it's it's just so helpful to be able to have these conversations Um between the just your partner, but also like I said, now like couples, the couples like talking about oh my gosh, like wow, like you had to talk really blatantly about <laughs> X Y Z, yeah. like exactly yeah. this and that. It's like yeah, like that's it's it's normal.
1: So I'm curious for yeah. you guys, do you feel like your conversation and deep dive through deconstruction with one another is what opened you up to that kind of conversation or was your relationship already like in those kind of spaces prior to that?
2: Um, so I, I got pregnant very quickly after we got married. Um, so you know, very difficult. Like Christian. five minutes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but easy you bake know, oven style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's that like very Christian engaged like build up because we only kissed before we got married. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. So we were like, you know, we were the Good Christians. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? So holy. <laughs> um, but we, yeah. So I think it was like that built up of like emotion. And, you know, we had like a good month. And then after that, it just like everything changed yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, And so that was like a large part of that trauma that I was experiencing. Like, I can't even do this for my husband, mm, you know? And right. we're in like purity culture that like, I remember the one of my mentors stuff. telling me, never let your husband leave with a loaded gun in his pants oh my so God. That he I heard, not, I, not heard
1: not, you know? my God. I heard
0: similar things I had the same thing honestly <laughs> I dealt with so much of that in the beginning of our marriage especially with <laughs> intercourse not working for us and I was like I yeah like he's he's like yeah, I was told he's he was gonna cheat on me stuff. like
2: yeah. and, uh, isn't that horrible what a horrible oh my gosh. that's
3: awful and
0: it wasn't um, even that long ago that like I was like under this like like I thought that
3: it yeah. like stayed with yeah.
0: me for so. Long. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I, I. totally. It's hard to
3: undo some of those very. Uh, it's, it's
2: subtle. It's subtle. It is it's manipulation, subtle. right? And it and it like stays in your heart, and you like don't know why. Like, right. Oh, if, if I don't do this, he's gonna cheat on me. It's like, why? Where'd I even get that? Or like, like you, you would
0: never, you know? Right, right. Or like the um, for me, a, a lot of my like traumas would kick in if we summer Because Adam and I get along really well, <laughs> that which is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh We we really hardly ever fight, but like whenever we do, whenever there's like issues, jealous. Up, <laughs> but <laughs> when we do, but when we do, especially in the beginning, we I would always attribute it to sex. I'm like, oh, like mm. he's grumpy, or like, oh, like we're not getting along. Like obviously, I haven't given it up lately,
3: right? So, or
0: right. like not doing exactly what he right, wants right, lately, right. Which is just like that is the thing that I still. And because that was that was church, but it was also familial, that was a for sure thing I was yeah. taught in the family, and so yeah. that was yeah, that's still like hard to just be like, no, that's, sometimes yeah. you just fight. And that's right.
3: I, I think what we don't often talk about enough in deconstruction circles is how the subconscious is like. The, the whole neuro pathways, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm not going to get too psychological because one, I'm not qualified. <laughs> Two, I mean, I probably just end up making myself sound like a fool. But from what I do know, like, the, I mean, we've been so ingrained to believe and to think and to interpret information a particular way that it's, we have almost like subconscious reactions to certain things that happen. Like you were saying, if, you know, it, Uh, if you're in a spot where things aren't going well, it's like, Oh my gosh, maybe it's because I didn't do this, you know? And and I still feel that way. Like if I get a a tension in my chest, if I feel anxious, I'm like, Oh my gosh, maybe, maybe this is God telling me I'm doing something wrong. Totally. It's like, I was told that's what conviction was like. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you know, those, those subtle things that still lurk in the back of your mind or in your heart that, you know, you can consciously deconstruct some, some things, but there's just residue that Mm -hmm. just sticks there. And it just, it's like we were saying before, it's subtle. It just kind of hides. And, you know,
2: and you don't even know where you got it from. Exactly. You don't know
3: why you're thinking or feeling a certain way. And
2: you don't even have to be a Christian anymore for like those things to still hold. Exactly.
3: you You can't necessarily control or just, you know, undo all of the Wiring that was done for years and years, you know what I mean. So that's why I feel like some of that is so deeply psychological, and mm-hmm. also I think why we advocate so strongly for you know uh, mental health practices to be taken seriously. You know, I mean, Absolutely. Uh, Rachel and I both deal with our own neurodivergency, but you know, for me with ADHD and OCD um, clinically diagnosed, you know, it, there's so much that goes undiagnosed and mm. unrecognized because yeah. everything's chalked up to just being a spiritual issue. Everything's totally. an issue or whatever it may be. Yeah, and It's like, no, <laughs> there's so much more to it. So we're, we're a
0: little bit more complex than that. Thank goodness. Just a little bit, right? <laughs> Thank goodness. I actually loved the word residue that you used because that's kind of what it feels like. It's like sometimes the residue of like on top of the counter and you don't see, but until you're like are wiping, like you're like, Oh, what? Is, what is on here? It's like, gunky but he says something it. in it and it sticks yeah yeah <laughs> totally I,
3: I or it's like, like it. that coffee cup that like you didn't rinse out quite a while well, you put it in the dishwasher and it's <laughs> technically clean but you're like oh my gosh there's a little coffee there's stuff. a
0: ring yeah, yeah totally that's totally what it's like yeah oh my gosh well said well I mean guys I feel like we're we're <laughs> we've kept you now for over an hour so I feel like we're gonna have to stop this conversation at some point but this is so fun for us so yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with us and just go go in hard for all these topics. Um, yeah. We just really appreciate the vulnerability, um, and I know so many other people listening. Um, they will appreciate the vulnerability too, and that just makes us feel less alone. Makes us know that we're not, you know, just yeah. doing doing something or living living just our own. We are having, we all have our own experiences, but there's so much that unites us. And I appreciate the authenticity that you guys bring.
3: Well, thank thank you you for
0: starting this conversation. We really, really enjoyed it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, us too.
0: Well, thank you all for listening. Um, You know, we love you. And until next time.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye.